Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey. How are you, Deshana? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm very excited about our conversation. But before we get started, can you please tell the Hey Girl listeners who you are and what you do? Okay. Hello, Hey Girl listeners. This is Deshauna Barber. I am a full-time motivational speaker. I'm an Army Reserve captain and a former Miss USA. That is all wonderful. Former Miss USA, I definitely want to dive into that here in a second. But before we do, can you let us know how you got to where you are today as a motivational speaker and a captain? How did that all come to be for you? Give us a little bit of background about where you came from. If we take it back super far, I was born in Georgia to a military family. So my father, mother, sister, brother are all Army veterans at this point. Some of them have already gotten out in the last one remaining that's still in. But um, they're all Army veterans. So it's kind of a family tradition. I knew coming out of high school that I would be joining the military. And so did my sister and brother, just because it was something that my dad and my mom instilled in us to find a way to serve the country, whether it be through joining the Peace Corps, firefighter, police officer but they always hinted at uh, the military is definitely the way to go. So we all chose the army at the end of the day. Then I chose not to go the enlisted route, which means going straight out of high school. I decided to go through my alma mater, which is Virginia State University and become an army officer. So I had to go through four years of the ROTC program at Virginia State University. And once that four-year program was over, I went on a military scholarship and they paid for the four years and I ended up commissioning to become an officer in the military. So I think becoming an army captain, which I've been in for almost nine years now, that has all happened because it's a family thing. It's a tradition for us. In terms of becoming a motivational speaker, during my time as Miss USA, I actually spoke at the Steve and Marjorie Harvey Girls Youth Camp in mm-hmm. Atlanta, Georgia. So Steve Harvey has the boys version, which is in Chicago. Marjorie runs the girls version, which is based out of Atlanta, and it brings together hundreds of youth from the Atlanta metropolitan area, and they all come together for a weekend. When I went to speak with them back in October 2016, I was invited as a special guest, and I remember the coordinators for the program telling me to, you know, just go to the front and tell the girls, you know, your life story, and I did that. My mother had actually passed away the week before before that speaking engagement. So, um, you know, I spoke to them about losing a parent and, and dealing with grieving. And then I spoke with them about my experience with child sexual abuse. I spoke with them about bullying and the, the things I've dealt with when it came to achieving my education and having low self-esteem and all these things. And by the time I walked off of the stage, everyone was like, wow, you should definitely consider becoming a speaker. And I was at that point in my life being Miss USA and being in the spotlight, I was like, no, 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 I want to be an actress. Like that's that's definitely what I want to do. And then I Googled how much motivational speakers make. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can be a speaker. <laughs> um, 
my reign as Miss USA because when you're Miss USA, you, you're under contractual agreement. You're under an exclusive contract. So you can't sign contracts with anything or anyone else. So once my year was over, the very next day after handing over my crown, I signed a motivational speaking two-year contract with WME Speakers, which is one of the biggest speakers bureaus in the country. And then recently they've actually just purchased Harry Walker, which is a different speaking agency. So now I'm actually under Harry Walker as of January 1st, 2020. So um, yeah, that's how I ventured into speaking and I've been loving it. I've been doing it for two and a half years now and it not only pays well, it's very fulfilling because you get the opportunity to really inspire people and, and push people beyond what they believe to be their limits and encourage them through hard times. So I'm glad that I've been given the honor of doing that. What has speaking taught you about storytelling and encouraging other folks to share their stories, be it the traumas that they've walked through, be it loss and grieving, or even maybe some of their successes and how they've been able to overcome different obstacles that life has presented to them. How has your ability to get in front of people and speak to them shown you what community can be when you tell your story? Speaking definitely taught me a few things. I definitely think that one of the most important things to me that I've learned when coming to tell people to be vulnerable is you must first be vulnerable yourself. I find that when speakers aren't willing to talk about their tough moments, their moments where they were, you know, about to give up, their moments where they were at rock bottom or their moments where they were suicidal and and having suicidal thoughts. And, you know, if you're not able to get on a level of vulnerability, no one can relate to that. So I think that Being transparent is a task that a lot of people are not good at, which is why you find people that try to go up there and speak, but you can tell that they're holding back. Like you can tell that Mm -hmm. you can't really connect with this because it doesn't sound to me like you're telling me the whole story or there's still a level of pride. There's this wall that you're putting up where you don't want to let us in. So I think that one of the best things that I'm able to offer just as a human being is I'm just really super transparent. I don't really hide anything. I don't really care to, you know, I don't have anything to hide, nor am I like a super secretive person when it comes to the things that I've struggled with. So I think that's probably one of the best qualities that I've shown myself is that I can really put myself out there. And Mm -hmm. It's a scary thing, of course, but it is a feeling that comes from being able to let it all out and really just, you know, they're talking about this off of, what is it, Love and Hip Hop, where, (laughs) oh gosh, what was he talking to? Um, The guy from B2K, gosh, I'm so bad. I don't really watch Love and Hip Hop, but my sister was watching. I don't watch it either, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's so bad. There was a point where... Lil Fizz was with old girl who's a Marion's ex and the other guy gosh what is his name that's in B2K there's Lil Fizz Marion J Book J Book there we go J Book was like because she was like you know oh I got some dirt on you too and he was like well you know do you want me to to put everything out there so I can empty your clip and I was like you know that's a really cool little analogy there but it's really talking about just like emptying the ammo you know so that no one can shoot at you because you've already put everything out there so I think that that's one thing that I like to do up front because when you have someone that looks like me as a former beauty queen people just assume that I've just had this like rose petals laid at my feet the whole process becoming where I am today. And it's just not true. So usually when I get on stage, I just put it all out there. I just say, listen, this is everything that I've been through. Now let's talk about how I overcame it so that this can inspire you to overcome all the battles that you have. So emptying the clip is my point. (laughs) 
That is a good point. And I do want to talk about being vulnerable and, and standing in your bravery and in your truth without shame or guilt. I think that's a huge part of self-activism and also self-care. Like there's no way that we can fill up anyone else's cup if ours is empty. So I do want you to kind of walk through that first moment on stage, right? When you decided, you know, I'm going to show up as my full, whole and true self here. What was that like for you? Did you hesitate or were you walking in it like I'm going to give these people something different and in turn hopefully that builds this ripple effect of folks not only listening but sharing their individual experiences without feeling like they have to shrink or hide in them. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think it's kind of a combination of both. I think I definitely walk into it planning on saying this is everything that I'm going to tell them because, you know, what speeches is they're already pre-constructed, like they already have their own makeup. So I always walk into it planning on saying everything and putting everything out there. So, you know, I think that it's a part of like my introduction. So when I walk on stage, hi guys, this is who I am and this is what I've been through. So depending on what the speech is about, of course, because majority of my speech speeches are either about leadership. So I talk about my experience in the military, the bad and the good places I've been in and the experiences that I've had, or they're about diversity and inclusion. So I talk about being, you know, a black woman in America, being a double minority. I talk about my experiences in government, my experiences in the military, my experiences as Miss USA. And from depending on the actual topic is when I discuss, okay, what part of my story will I address? It's about feeling low, feeling discriminated against, feeling underrated, being the underdog in every single scenario is usually the basis of all of it. And then there's also those few occasions like the Steve Harvey incident or the Steve Harvey um, camp where I'm talking about, hey guys, you all are young women and some of you may have experienced sexual assault. You may have experienced being touched in places where it's not appropriate. Here's what I've been through and here's how I got through it. Here's the people that I told so that he could get in trouble so that you got to pick and choose which story you want to talk to, but making sure that it applies to each audience. And really you can see people's exhale in certain moments, but they're exhaling in relief. Like, okay, so I can tell that I'm not the only person that's been through this. You know, you can see it in their eyes that they're really connecting with what you're saying. There's only been maybe two speeches I've done where I'm like, okay, this isn't hitting at all. <laughs> this this ain't connecting with these people. They're not feeling it. That's only happened about twice out of maybe 150 speeches that I've given to date. So, you know, you always have that very rare occasion where just these people walk into it and they don't want to hear you out. They're not open-minded. They're not wanting to connect. So that's also a struggle when it comes to being a speaker is, is understanding that you run the risk of not connecting at all, you know? So it's just kind of up and down. Let's talk about being Miss USA and what that was like for you as a Black woman. Did you love it? Did you, like, expect it? What was the response from those near and far from you? And what did being Miss USA teach you about yourself? Well, one, I, I don't know if I loved it or hated it. I think I was in between. <laughs> I think I loved it at first because it was new, it was fresh. But by the time I walked off the stage, the backlash began. So then I started to really like that joy started to just be pulled completely from my heart because I'm just so taken back by how many people were not happy. Definitely think I was in between of loved it and hated it. What did it mean for me? It meant that there's a moment where beauty is defined in the way that it should be, where everyone is beautiful. 
no matter your shade, your race, your religion, your economic status, like we all are beautiful. So, you know, I'm used to turning on these pageants and seeing a certain type of woman. And this woman never looked like me. The last time there was a Miss USA that looked like me, not only being black, but as dark as me, was Kenya Moore in what, 93, 94? We're talking about really redefining how beauty pageants, which is like one of the oldest forms of the beauty standard from the 1911s was making sure that we're able to define beauty this way. You know, before the large onslaught of magazines and billboards and all this other stuff, we had beauty pageants. So we're talking about a very old school, traditional community of people that have been watching it for years and still in their minds see it a certain way. But then you still have people that just are biased and don't want to see a Black woman win anyway. Right, right. I was pretty upset the first probably month or two. And then I just got over it. And then I was like, you know what? Because I started going on social media and acting a certain way, like being a certain way and communicating a certain way so that I could conform to what I thought they wanted me to be. And even when I would, you know, play music that I would not normally listen to, I want to listen to some hip hop on my Instagram story, but you know, let me play Avril Lavigne or Paramore or something just so that they can see, you know what? See, she listens to the music, you know, you know, she's not just a black chick that's hip hop and all this other stuff. But then I realized, you know what? I shouldn't have to conform who I am to please these people. I won because I am who I am. I won because the judges saw that I could represent this crown. I can't encourage people to be themselves if I'm not being myself. So I stopped caring about all that. That's why I did my final walk wearing my afro and doing things that were very focused on being exactly who Deshauna is. And I think that that taught me that there's nothing that you can do. If someone doesn't like you, they just don't like you. And there's nothing that you can do to change the minds of someone that has bias, someone that's racist, someone that's mm-hmm. hurt. All you can do is be yourself and live your life. If you continue to walk around and care about what other people think, are you really living? So I stopped right. and I just started focusing 110% on who is Deshauna? What does that represent? Because I want to show little girls that turn on this television and see Miss USA, turn on this radio station, open this magazine and they see my face. They know that they can achieve anything that they set their minds to. And also for them to know that they are beautiful as well. That is truly, truly inspirational. And I was thinking that as you got that title and your life changed, your visibility changed, I'm sure, and how hard that must have been for you to be in that position of being a Black woman on such a huge stage. And like you said, some people liked it, but some people didn't. And then the backlash, right? Let's shift gears and talk about self-care a little bit. How did you take care of yourself when there was hatred being spewed your way? You know, I want to get on this podcast and tell you guys all these really amazing lessons about how I manage self-care as Miss USA. And I just have to be honest, my self-care, my regiment, my making sure that Deshauna was mentally, emotionally okay, just did not happen during my time Mm -hmm. in USA. I was completely and utterly in a depression the entire year. I had lost my mom only a few months into winning Miss USA. So I was grieving and I had to not only deal with, you know, she 
died of lung cancer. I won, I think maybe in June and she passed away in August. There was no self-care there. Everything that happened to fix myself or improve myself rather emotionally and mentally took place after my reign was over. I was a heavy drinker when I was Miss USA. I was someone that had my fair share of cigarettes and black and milds during my year to be able to help me manage my stress. I probably would say I was very unhealthy during that time in terms of mentally and emotionally. I was going to a therapist my entire year. It just was not a healthy year for me. But I do think that this isn't supposed to be just like a Cinderella never gets her glass slipper back type thing. But I will say that sometimes, you know, we have these terrible chapters in our heads or these terrible chapters that just take place where we just have so much going on or we just hope that we can find the silver lining in it. And sometimes it doesn't happen when we want it to. So as much as I wanted the therapist to work and the not have to drink, not smoke, not things like that, it just wasn't happening. But I am happy that months after I gave up my crown and really got settled into being a speaker, I got back into the church. That helped me too. And I started working specifically with a separate therapist in the DC area that I would go to each week. I allowed myself to go on vacations. I would disconnect completely from social media because as Miss USA, I was required to be on social media constantly. So I would take mm-hmm. long periods of time away from the country, go on small vacations. The director of the Miss DC USA organization, the former director, Miss Carla Crawford, she actually would allow me to stay at, she had a home in uh, Palm Beach. So there would be weekends where I would just say, hey, Miss Carla, can I please stay at your house? You know, she had a nice little pool in the back. It was their vacation home. And I would just take a moment away and put my phone in my bedroom or in the bedroom in the house and literally disconnect for like a week and a half. So I think for me, self-care has to do a lot with disconnection only because because I believe that when we're connecting with people, especially through social media, there is this level of envy when we see other people that seem to be happy, you know, and it makes mm-hmm. us feel worse about the things that we're going through. So for me, disconnection is important. That's probably my biggest level of self-care and separation from the world. Moments where I can just pray, listen to music, and just sit out in the sun and read. There's a few books to read that, you know, really helped me. And there's just things that I was able to do after my reign. But during my reign, it was just terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. I love that you said that because not only is it authentic and absolutely positively real life, but it also lets people know that it's okay to not be okay. And Mm -hmm. it's also very much, I think people often relate self-care to like the trend that's happening right now, right? And how, okay, I have this big thing happening in my life. I need to take care of myself. Yes, we should. But what happens when we can't? And listening to you talk about how it sucked and it was miserable and there was no self-care and you had to relearn it and you had to get help and you had to also give your crown back to figure out, okay, here's how I can feed into myself now. My year is up. How am I going to get back? to my own meaning and definition of who I am in the world outside of being Miss USA. So I commend you and I thank you for saying that. And I know that that is going to resonate with so many listeners on here because taking care of ourselves is hard, specifically under stress, specifically in the throes of loss. Losing your mother, which I 
am sending you my love and condolences as you continue to walk through that loss. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. So thank you for your transparency and your vulnerability and saying, you know, I don't have a beautiful story for you. I have this thing and it's real. So I appreciate that. Before we wrap up, you are on the other side, a few years out from being Miss USA. You're in the throes of being an inspirational, motivational speaker. You're changing lives through using your voice and your story. What do you want to take as we walk into 2020? What do you want to take with you as affirmation and as encouragement to keep showing up in your work, but also as yourself through the next decade? I think I want to take, it's a very good question. I would say faith is one and then just believing in myself is two. I think that that's probably what we lack. You know, even at my lowest moment, I've always believed I can get through it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I appreciate so much about myself is I'm never hopeless. I always have hope, I always have faith, and I always believe that I can conquer anything. And I really believe that that's why I've gotten to where I am as Miss USA is because I literally believed so heavily in my ability to wear that crown. I believe that I could be an army officer. I believe that I could make a living off of inspiring people. I really believed these things. And because I believed it, it allowed the universe to to push it into fruition. So I have gotten to this point where Deshauna, all you need is faith. All you need is hope. And all you need to do is believe in yourself because guess what? That's what's been working. Every time you believe you're able to do something, you end up doing it. So Mm -hmm. I'm taking that into 2020 and I have so many awesome things coming up that I'm just excited for. And I know for a fact that 2020 is going to be a year of more success than I ever imagined. And I encourage that to all the young women and I'm sure a few men that listen to this podcast is you have to believe in yourself first because the universe is contagious to your thoughts. If you believe that you can achieve something, the universe will place it, will make it happen. But if you're incredibly pessimistic and the glass is half empty type mentality, the universe will make sure that it lets everything fail because you think it's going to fail anyway. So you must first believe it for it to happen. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.